You are listening to Off The Record, the podcast where we'll be exploring the culture and community of the underground dance music industry. My name is Michael Carter and I'll be chatting to individuals involved in the scene, discussing topics and issues that those face in our industry. In this episode, I've been joined by DJ and artist duo Versa to discuss the importance of branding yourself as a DJ. We talk about the importance of using social media to create an online presence and strong following. We also discuss how networking and putting yourself out there can lead to many unexpected opportunities. Well, I mean, anyone who knows me knows that Carl Cox is my all-time hero. I mean, he's like the king of the dance. I mean, he goes for he goes back like generations, really. Going back to the early days, I'd probably say the likes of like Frankie Knuckles, Tony Humphreys. I would say artists like Melody, Michael Bibby. Um, I think they're um, unique to themselves and I love listening to them. Um, I think like DJ Zinc and Goldie, DJ Zinc's kind of done a bit of everything. Yes, yes boys, how are we doing? How you doing mate, you alright? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. So I'm going to be having this uh, little bit of a chat today, so just kicking things off. Can you both introduce yourselves and uh, tell me a little bit about what you've been doing over the past couple of years? Yeah, wicked. So I'm Tom Waters. Uh, I'm a Bournemouth Uni student, aspiring DJ producer from Maidstone originally. Last few years, um, in terms of dance music and DJing, I'd say I, I was a bit of a late bloomer, to be fair. Sort of 18, I got into the music. I was just a raver to start with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice, nice. How are we all are? How are we all are? So what's, what, what's your guys' DJ duo? Yeah, so myself and Tom, so I'm Ben, by the way, um, kind of share a similar story to Tom. Both grew up in Maidstone and then ended up meeting up in Bournemouth down at university and sort of realised we had a shared love for music. Mm. And at that time, it was especially a big sort of interest of techno, really, weren't it? That was our main sort of thing. Yeah. Both sort of ended up buying a set of decks, thought we'd you know, have a little go at it paid a few house parties and from there it just grew. It's nice. So you say you started off as ravers and then it was sort of like at the age of 18, 19 that you went straight into it. I mean, what was that kind of process like of uh, actually jumping into the scene in Bournemouth? It was actually first year where I first started raving. I think our first set must have come at like a year after that, wasn't it? It was just practising at home and just like Ben said, with a controller. Um, ben had a controller first. I, I weren't even really into it in our first year at uni. It was you and a, a lad named Godfrey. It was me and, me and my mate Godfrey originally. But um, I think after a while, sort of me and Tom realised that we shared a very similar interesting taste in music. So we started just sort of playing a few, few house parties, going from there, um, and then ended up getting in touch with a disco event called Triple Cooked. And that was where we ended up playing our first live set. And to be fair, that that was a great that was a great way to kick things off, really, because it sort of meant that we played the main stage, but we played the opening set, which gave us a few hours to sort of adjust to what we were actually doing. 
Yeah, of course. Because you don't want to be chucked quite in a deep end, do you? Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, I think it's fair to say that we were both sort of underprepared in, in many senses. <laughs> like, we didn't even know most of the buttons. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. To, be, to be totally honest, we, we didn't even know most of the controls at that point. We were sort of figuring it out as we went along. We actually turned up like half an hour early to the set. Just to sort of get used to the control, uh, sorry, the decks, because we didn't, that was our first time using them. I remember turning up, I remember we looked at it and we'd been mixing on a, a pair of like CDJs from 2008 with like no waveforms or anything on, and we turned up and we were like, oh my god, look at this. <laughs> and then it was so, it was so mad, like applying for that triple cook set. I remember the press shot, they asked for a press shot to send, and we sent a photo of us in like a chilli fancy dress, like dressed as chilies at our previous uni summer ball. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of took us seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, so funny. Nice jokes. Well, no, it's lovely to hear about how you boys started. Sounds like you were chucked in the deep end a little bit, which uh, I think is needed. Kind of gets the ball rolling and uh, a sort of like scared element of you. Just kind of propels you a bit more forward as soon as you've got that first set done. But no, sounds like quite a funny beginning, boys. Today, we're going to be talking about branding yourself as a DJ and how important that is within the kind of climate that we're living in now and how you can use social media to like benefit you in terms of like creating your audience and a stronger following and things like this. So how did you guys come up with the brand name Versa and sort of like your appearance behind it and things? Versa just came out of from vice versa, basically, just like back to back, vice versa, just playing tunes against each other. And me and Ben always, whenever we've been on decks, it's sort of been like whenever we're mixing, we do one song each and it's always been a bit of a competition. So it was based on vice versa, like back and forth, back and forth. Nice. I like it. There's quite a funny story behind the name, if you want to tell it. Yeah, like, the, the, the name itself did sort of stem, did sort of come from nowhere, in a sense, because we were spending ages trying to trying to figure out what to call ourselves, and we had some terrible names put forward. I think we had, uh, at one point, we were going to be called Fatali after the chilli incident, where we dressed up as chilies for, yeah, for a festival. Yeah. Fatali's a type of chilli, and we thought that was cool for about a week, and then realised it was absolute dog. And then we asked our mates to help us out. So we had like a big group chat and we asked everyone if they could come up with a name and we'd give them 20 quid as a reward. And uh, as you can imagine, the contributions were shocking as well. So yeah, it took us a while to figure out, but eventually Versa, Versa came through. It took us a long time, a long time to get that name. Um, it's just potluck though. No, I, definitely, I think that's brilliant, though, the fact that you've kind of got, like, a story behind it and then uh, you've got a bit of a tale to tell. Do you know what I mean? People kind of, like, relate to you a bit more. Yeah, I think... I think you've just got to choose your name and if you like it, if you both like it, if you're a duo, then I think you've just got to back it. Like, I don't think you're ever really going to love your name. Like, like I love it now. It did take me a little while to warm to it. I love it now because of the work we've done on it and the branding behind it will obviously speak about that. But, yeah, I don't think anyone loves their name straight away. Mm, I think no, it takes 100%. a bit of work. No, 100%. As you support the name more, you do you do grow to love it. Like if you look at some DJs' names, if you were just to see that for the first time and you'd never heard of him, you'd think, what is going on there? Like for example, DJ Tennis, you know, like I'm pretty sure that's his name because he likes tennis, and that's that, as simple as that. But he's obviously a massive, you know, resident for Circo Loco now. But 
I think names can just come from anywhere. And you, like, like Tom said, just back it. 100% mate I, th- I think that's the thing as well you kind of just like grow into the character don't you I mean I had the exact same situation with being called like Carter at first where you kind of like know that that's going to be your name for like the rest of your sort of like ongoing history with music and things like that and you're like oh is it good enough is it this is it that but then you become this character like sort of step in the rave sounds a bit cringy but I'm not really Michael Fairman anymore I'm now Carter and I've kind of got to play to this character and like how I talk and how I present myself and stuff like that yeah man exactly so, to, like, to you guys, why do you think the, like, branding yourself is so important? It's been a massive, massive factor for us. We, like, went pretty heavy on it. I just think it makes you stand out from the crowd, really. Um, I don't, re- don't want to say fake it till you make it, but we, before we were even good at mixing, we had, a, we had a logo, we had a set of press shots. It makes you stand out, I think. People look at your profile in such a like oversaturated industry. I think if you go on someone's profile and they've got press shots and a logo behind them and the branding and mix series artwork has always been quite a big thing for me and you. Like We wanted to do a mix series, but we wanted to make it stand out with our own customised artwork. And I'd, it just makes you look more professional. I think if people people go on your SoundCloud page and you've got all your brand colours and your mix series artwork with a different press shot each one, it shows you taking it a lot more seriously. No, 100%. 100%. I think the thing is as well is just the promoters since 90s and stuff like that have like upped their game in terms of marketing, graphics, videography, whatever, and it's kind of like nowadays like the DJ needs to match that as well to kind of like play to that standard. And especially living in such a social media world, you've got to put yourself above others and like separate you out, if you know what I mean. And not just about the music at the end of the day now, is it really? Like you actually have to look the part as well, like you said. Yeah, man, exactly. And, and in terms of like, if you're trying to progress as your career and you want to start landing these gigs, the only way a promoter is going to know if you're a decent DJ is if they sit there and listen to an hour-long mix of yours, which they're not always going to have the time to do. But if they can jump on your SoundCloud or your Instagram and immediately see that you're taking it dead seriously by putting the time and effort into making this branding look great, then that is going to really separate you from someone who's not putting that work in. 100%. It sells, mate. It does sell. So do you ever feel like you struggle with content or staying connected with people through social media at all? I'm finding it a lot harder recently, like algorithms and stuff, I won't really go into it, but since the whole TikTok phase and Instagram introducing reels and stuff, it's got a lot harder. I think Instagram's going more towards a way where you need real-life content, like videos of someone doing a live stream or it's all blown up, especially during COVID and lockdown. I think people just want to see like more wholesome and real content and, and just like real life photos and real life experiences rather than just artwork, artwork, artwork. Mm. That's sort of like uh, what we're going for the minute is aiming now to post like more authentic stuff, just like day to day actions, what we're getting up to. Not only just to fill the spaces, but we feel like that does when we look back at our likes on our profile, it's always the photos of us two just before going out or something or, you know, out enjoying ourselves rather than us promoting something that we're doing related to DJ. And it does always seem like it's the personal content which hits harder. Definitely, mate. The branded mix series and stuff is wicked on your feed and stuff and it looks really smooth, but it's not necessarily what the people most want to see, especially at the moment, because so many people are pumping mixes out there. I don't really feel like a mix is that special at the moment. I think that's the thing as well, because we've had social media for quite a few years now, and you've got like push notifications and stuff like that, like your phone just popping up and telling you about what's going on, and then you're following event brands and stuff. I just think people are fed up with just constantly like, come to my party. 
And I also think at the same time, going back to the real life content thing, I think people aren't just following you because you're an artist, your lifestyle. If they follow you, then they're a part of this kind of like lifestyle. As well as like the whole graphics and marketing side of things, networking is a massive part to the industry, especially with it being so saturated nowadays. Everyone is trying to make it and you need to make yourself known to like brands and other DJs out there as well. So how important do you guys think it is to connect yourself with other people that are out in the industry currently? Uh, personally, I think it's like the most, the most important thing. We would not be where we've got to now without networking. The reason why we started, even got close to the Maidstone scene, was just networking through the right people. Just going to the parties and just throwing yourself in there and just chatting to people can get you so, so far. Um, even chatting on social media. I mean, but yeah, going to the parties and talking to people is a massive factor of it. And a, a lot of the time now, I'm happy to just go to a party and just treat it as I'm going to this party just to talk to people and just to network. A lot of the time I'd rather go out and network and it benefit us in the future. You can, yeah, you can get a lot of it. Definitely, I, th I think that's the thing as well. Like, do you feel an element of, because the rave scene in the UK is massive, but pretty much every party that you go to, you almost feel like, oh, I could bump into someone. I feel like I'm on show a little bit. Still gonna have a mad time and you go have a few drinks and stuff, but I also think there's an element of like, oh, who am I gonna potentially bump into today? Who's gonna impact me a couple of months down the line? Who I'm gonna be playing for and things like that. It's like constant awareness, do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%, that, that is it. Like you do go to the event now with that thought at the back of your mind, thinking, oh, I couldn't meet the right person here. or. You know, you may, be, you may be even hoping to get backstage at this event and speak to the right people and speak to DJs, but, yeah, I think the networking side is vital. It's just about showing your enthusiasm to them a lot and showing them that you want to be a part of what they're doing. I think the problem with it, with it nowadays as well is where it, it is quite a saturated market in a way. Like, people nowadays can quite easily pick up a set of decks and learn how to mix and whatever and, you know, show that they can, they can do a gig, but you've just got to be the one that sort of steps out there and, you know, shows who wants it the most. You want me at your party, not I want to play at yours. Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah, exactly. You, you got out of the bollocks, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, there, There's like that story of Sawley and that hideout festival and he, he just finished his set. He went into a pizza restaurant and Danny Howard's just sat there eating a pizza after a night out. There's either the person who sees Danny Howard and they shit themselves or there's the person who goes over to Danny Howard and they give him a memory stick full of music and they just talk to him. you just got to realise these people, you look at them as if they're big and famous but they are just humans they're just normal at the end of the day but mm. you don't you don't know that until you go over and you speak to them it's just about having the balls to just go over there and just talk to them like a normal person really 100% boys so as well as uh, the whole marketing yourself and networking and things like that residencies are an important like important for a dj because they can like guarantee you sets and things like that it also means that you start building relationship with other boys uh, or girls that are residencies of the brand so you boys have a couple of residencies i believe can you talk a bit about those for us we uh we started at triple cooked which was a little disco brand and then we moved on to tech box in bournemouth 
we'd been going to like their parties in first year, so we really, really wanted to get tech box, didn't we? Like when we got tech box, we were proper happy. That was at the old fire station in Bournemouth. Did tech box and then came back to Maidstone. The garden project has like flourished sort of in lockdown. So we've got a residency at the garden project. And within like the last year, we've started a residency at Move Your Feet in Bournemouth as well. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I think paying at the residencies is great because, uh, like we said earlier, it was it's a case of you know building relationships with people that have the same sort of vision as you and want to play the same music, and you get to meet new headliners as well if you're lucky as well. But yeah, yeah, that that's the thing with residencies. You build like a a wicked family around you. Like it, with the garden project, now we've got such a great family around us. Everyone everyone's in the same headspace. Everyone wants the same thing. You all just there to play the tunes and just have a good time, and you all want the same end goal. You all want a career in music. Definitely, mate, and like, that's the thing as well. I think you get that feeling of you're building on something with someone. You know that it's not all down to you and things like that. I think it helps with your branding as well. If you're with a team that clearly like represents what you are, it just emphasises that even more, involves you and stuff like that. I think, I think it's such a key part to building on your career. <laughs> As well as your other residencies and things like that, I understand that you've played on BBC Music Introducing recently. So do you think that your brand and networking has influenced how quickly you guys progressed and started getting opportunities like this? Yeah, definitely. Personally, I don't think we would have got that BBC Introducing without having our brand on our page. Um, so we did Tour Room Academy, we did like a production course. But Pete Griffiths actually messaged like emailed me afterwards like like a month month and a half and um he said how he him and bbc had actually gone onto our soundcloud and listened to a few of our mixes and they really liked our vibe and that's why he sort of chose us along with four others to do it but i yeah i think he probably went on our instagram i think he probably went on our soundcloud and mm. he saw he probably saw the artwork and that enticed him in and then he listened to the mixes and they did the talking but mm. Without the artwork or the the press shots, they wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily click on the mix. Yeah, no, so. yeah, exactly that. And I think when you look at the rest of the people that were involved with that, they're all making their own music already, or have been for a while now. They've all got their own releases, and we were only people that didn't have that yet, which just shows how far Brandon must have gone in that circumstance. Obviously, the mixes, you know, contributed highly as well, but it does show that the mix, uh, the Brandon would also play quite a big part in sort of putting us in the same category as those guys. Definitely. So do you feel like there's an element, because for example, I feel like if I go on my Instagram, that you've got these really basic graphics and really dodgy videos and photos of me playing. Do you think thing where you guys didn't have too much going on initially, like there wasn't loads and loads and loads of content, but the content that you had there was clean. There was just kind of that element of like, oh, right, these guys are just going to like, we want to push them through because it's like just clean throughout, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but I also think, like we Ben said, like a lot of our things are residencies. So we we've already built relationships with the people who are, book, who are booking us. I think BBC introducing they didn't really know us like 
they probably booked us for that through our branding and the clean Instagram and stuff. But I think all the brands like Tech Box and the Garden Project and Move Your Feet, they probably booked us because we made the effort to go and talk to them and we, we created relationships with them first. Like our Instagram's important, but yeah, I'd say the networking we've done is a lot more important because mm. we've actually gone out and had the balls to go and meet people and just, just chat to them, create opportunities for ourselves. Oh, I'd love to hear it, boys. So, as well as everything that's happened previously, what can we expect from the future of Versa? <laughs> good, good question, mate. We're trying to figure that out ourselves. We're both final year at the moment, so we're just trying to get final year of uni out of the way and then it's sort of full focus on, on music, really. But we're not rushing it. That's a massive thing for me and Ben. We don't just want to rush music and just throw it out. We want it to be the absolute best it can be. There's a lot of pressure on people to produce music and just release it now. But that's something we've both agreed on really since the start, since yeah. we even discussed production. Like, yeah. But we want to make our own sound. You see a lot of people copying what's out there at the moment, um, and we don't, we don't want to do that. Mm. It's definitely one thing we've known each other was agreeing on the fact that we were going to wait until at least we had a collection as well. I think it's when you've got one release out, if you really want it to take you far, it'd be nice to have a few in the catalogue. If say, yeah. say someone comes and asks you, saying, oh, you know, I've heard this track, you've got anything else for us? If you just come back saying, nah, you can't, you've kind of blown it, I think, there, you know, you want to have, you want to have a track, you want to have a plethora. Definitely, definitely. Keep an eye out for the music in the next however many years. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, like, we're not, we're not rushing it, like we say, and yeah, like, this is our passion and this is what we want to do. And I, and I think everyone around us who knows us knows that. We just want it to be perfect. We just want to love our own music, basically. We're going to take it a bit more chilled now, and I'm just going to hit you some quick-fire questions, if that's all right with you guys. Let's go course. for it, mate. Cool, cool. So, if you could after-party with one DJ, who would it be? <laughs> scream. <laughs> scream. <laughs> Got close. Yeah, yeah, Scream, Waff would be a good one as well. Richie Ahmed. Oh, basically all the ones that seem like they're the most nuts. I, I would love to after-party with like all our idols, like, musically. En Enzo, Siragusa, from Fuse and that, just to chat to them and just to get their sort of insights. I think and, Rossi like, would be a sick one. Yeah, Rossi would be cool. He seems the most relatable out of, out of them, maybe just because the age thing. He's a bit younger, isn't he, I believe. Definitely relate to him on a level. No, for sure. So who and where is the best set you've ever seen? Oh, mate, there's a couple... There's a couple that's come to mind straight away. Scream comes to mind straight away. Did an all-night set uh, mm -hmm. down in Brighton at the Arch. And that was just flawless from start to finish. And the amount of tracks he was going through, yeah. just pulling out disco one minute, techno the next. It was so refreshing to hear. I've also got a soft spot for Adam Bayer still. Back in the day, when that was when I was first getting yeah. into the raving and like we were going to these techno sets and Adam Bayer just took you to another place, mate. Honestly, it was incredible. <laughs> Not on Earth anymore. <laughs> I've got a soft spot for Adam Bayer. Yeah, at Kappa Futura in Torino, he was just ridiculous, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, was crazy. He was so good. Yeah, I couldn't name you one, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 mate. Understandable, understandable. Thank you, boys. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Yeah, 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 um, and learning a bit about your brand and things. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you boys and I wish you the best of luck in future. Thank you very much for having us on, mate. Yeah, really nice appreciate it. Been a, been a blast. Yeah, it's been good fun, mate. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Catch you soon, boys. That's it for today. Thank you guys for listening. 
You can subscribe to us on Apple Music and Spotify Podcasts if you've enjoyed it. And please leave us a rating and review. It'd be very much appreciated. We love to see it. And until next time, guys. Have a good one.